is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabira Shaykeso. Only on the Voice of the Cape. And time now moving on to 18 to 7 o'clock. Welcome if you have just joined us here on Breakfast with Gulam and Sabira on 91.3 FM. The second wave of COVID-19 in the Western Cape has begun its slow and gradual decline because Premier Alan Windy and Provincial Department of, he- uh, of Health Head Dr. Keith Clute hosted a briefing on Tuesday yesterday, of course, and uh, they gave us um, you know, some statistics with regards to this and the strategies to manage and curb the virus. Um, apparently, there has been a 21% week-on-week drop in the new COVID cases that has been reported as the second wave has declined and more tests are being conducted at facilities and the great news is that most of these tests show a negative uh, result over positive and this is possibly a good sign. I believe that the temporary field uh, tents have been commissioned at the following hospitals such as Kayalicha, Westfleer out in Atlantis, Eastrover, Haldeberg, Carlbrimmer and Brackengate. But to give us the details uh, and more with regards to the the, the Digicon that took place yesterday, Dr. Keith Clutter, he's the head of the Western Cape Health Department. Dr. Keith, thank you so much for your time this morning on Breakfast 9 to 1.3 FM. I think, and perhaps you can advise that if it's, um, you know, needed for people to have some sort of, um, you know, a sign of relief to hear that they are seeing a reduction in the new COVID-19 cases as reported. What are your patterns showing this week? Uh, good morning, Gulam, and good morning to, to the, all the listeners. Uh, yes, the patterns have shown, uh, Gulam, and we've been watching it very closely for a couple of weeks. Um, that we can confidently say that there is a downward, um, you know, it's a downward uh, trend in terms of new cases, in terms of um, hospitalizations, it's stabilizing, and then also early signs that there is a downward potential downward trend now for tests. So all of these, together with the proportion positive of the tests in the laboratories, is an indication that um, the number of cases we have, active cases, is starting to decline. Mm. And because the number of active cases is starting to decline, um, it means that um, we need to be still vigilant, but at least um, we don't have a rapid increase with a rapid um, additional depressions being placed on hospitals and healthcare system. So although the healthcare system is still under pressure, it is least, um, it's the start of a sign of early easing of that pressure. Um, and that's what we expect to continue for the next uh, few weeks. Right. Morning, Doc. Just in terms of, you know, now that we're seeing ourselves easing out of this peak, and of course we know, like you've mentioned previously, um, the pressure and the impact on our hospitals um, and our healthcare facilities has been immense. Um, you know, in terms of dealing with our healthcare workers, what is the way forward? Yeah, so one of the, the biggest things, Abra, is that um, we obviously had to get to the point where um, we can start paying attention to the, the, the immense impact um, that, is, that, that the healthcare workers had to go through. So what, one of the things we do is we have a system where we follow every healthcare worker that works in the Western Cape Department of Health when they get infected. Uh, when they get admitted, and then obviously the very, very unfortunate situation when healthy workers also pass away. And um, this sign that we've been tracking um, has shown us since the start of um, COVID in March till now, 8,300 of our healthcare workers have become infected. And we also know that 102 of our healthcare workers have passed away. In between 
more than 900 of our healthcare workers had to be admitted themselves to hospital. So that impact on healthcare workers themselves, seeing your um, colleagues falling ill, seeing your colleagues being admitted to hospital, and also your colleagues dying while you're dealing with the increase of having to to to, to give service to not just um, members of the community, but actually members of the community that you start to know, and young people that pass away while you are giving the services, has had a tremendous emotional and psychological and mental trauma that it's brought to healthcare workers, while they themselves also lose a loved one at home, and they are part of communities with friend circle and the broader community. So this trauma has caused a tremendous impact on them. And what we are now launching and started launching is what we call an intentional process for grieving, an intentional process for healing, where we really want to open the spaces for healthcare workers to express how they feel so that we can deal with the hurt, the anger. And like anybody that goes through a grieving process and healing process, we must collectively allow for that for healthcare workers in this province. And ultimately, we believe that is something that whole of society actually requires mm. a healing and a grieving process. Now, Doc, also, you know, if we were to look at, you know, the, the, the medical fraternity, for argument's sake, will you now be scaling down on your non-COVID capacity if you look at the effect that this whole um, COVID-19 had on the medical, um, you know, field? And will you also be prioritizing that now? Yeah, so what we've had to do, Gulam, over this period of time, because COVID, um, the second wave, increased so rapidly, and the need for healthcare, especially for oxygen therapy, escalated so fast. Um, um, we have had to scale down um, services that is not COVID-related. One of the biggest challenges we had after the first wave, and what we're going to face now after the second wave, is how do we, when the when the second wave really comes down um, significantly. How do we slowly reintroduce all the other non-COVID services um, and do it in a responsible manner? Because you can imagine the things that we've not done has not gone away. People still have the illnesses that they've always had, but we have a responsibility to reintroduce that. But the question here is, how do we do it slowly and how do we do it responsibly Mm. that we don't have to bring it up and then take it away again? We're going to have to figure out a way of introducing that in a responsible way. But the big one that has made a big impact on the healthcare services, and in a sense, to a big measure why we could cope, was the, the total ban on alcohol. That has taken away trauma um, in, our, in, our, in our hospitals. It has reduced it to a significantly low level to help the healthcare system to cope. Doc, we've also seen, you know, we speak about COVID and, you know, people contracting COVID. And then we hear about, you know, other personal accounts in terms of long COVID. You know, here in the Western Cape, you know, is there any research being done in terms of long COVID and the effects thereof? Um, Zabra, we're going to have, like anywhere else in the world, I mean, we, we are very blessed in the Western Cape with um, very high level and professional and excellent um, clinicians, researchers, um, so we're very blessed with that. So um, we will be following, and, and as the evidence um, and the knowledge around COVID starts emerging, um, in this province we will build our own knowledge about what are we learning out of COVID. One of those conditions is the long-term, um, let's call it consequences and sequelae, of having contracted COVID. Mm-hmm. So the phenomenon of, and we've known and seen it, 
Um, many people have had what we would call a very severe form of COVID um, and have recovered and have had a slow recovery. But many people have also just had a long and meandering illness that has just not recovered. And so there's so much to learn about COVID and its long-term consequences, but we need to build up the knowledge to see what it is, how many people have been affected, what are the, the, the characteristics of this longer version of COVID, and what is the recovery required from a total, let's call it, clinical recovery um, for many, uh, although it being a very small component of people with COVID, because the majority had a rate-limiting illness like flu, have recovered like flu, and have no consequences. But there's a small group of people that has these uh, consequences. But we need to learn more about it. And as it unfolds and we have a longer period of time, we will have knowledge, more knowledge about it um, to be able to know how to manage it. Now, Doc, also one thing that uh, we know is um, a very contentious issue is when people talk about uh, the vaccine right now. Why is it that the Western Cape uh, is trying to procure its own vaccines and does it have its own vaccine strategy? Um, and I must just clarify this, uh, Gulam, and, and, and I know in the media it, it has, uh, I just want to clarify exactly what the position is. Okay. Firstly, there is one vaccine strategy for the country, and when we talk about a vaccine strategy for the Western Cape, we talk about the Western Cape um, working within the national vaccine strategy. Okay. So we have a vaccine strategy that is aligned and together in the support of the national vaccine strategy. I saw the national costume for vaccine and we're having a meeting later this morning. And um, all we've done is taken the national parameters, the national um, um, process around vaccine administration. And in this province, we are overseeing, let's call it the provincial implementation of the national vaccine strategy. Having said that, one of the big challenges we're going to have in the vaccine um, administration is being able to get sufficient number of vaccine doses to be able to vaccinate everyone that requires the vaccine. Now, the premier of this province has made it clear that although we are in support of the national process, and we will definitely work with the national department, so when a national bunch of vaccine comes in, these provinces will get their allocation out of that national allocation. Mm. It's like we will get like everybody else. All he was saying is that because there is going to be a challenge to get you know, the sufficient vaccines at the right times, he is also looking how can um, this province potentially also just explore the market and see where vaccines are coming from, from which producers internationally. And if there is a chance that through the context that he can make or this province can make, that the national vaccine program can be enhanced by getting additional vaccines. That is what the Premier is trying to strive for. So I think that that has been the position, and we work within that position. So it's not about working against the national strategy. It's working with the national strategy and bringing additional capacity there if we can be in assistance to assist with a vaccine program for the country. Mm.
Doc, just in terms of the vaccine, and, you know, we've had this argument in the media as well as, you know, in various communities, I think all around the world, for and against the vaccine, just in terms of those side effects, you know. Um, in terms of our research teams here in the Western Cape, how are we doing in terms of monitoring, you know, those globally that have rolled out the vaccine with regards to the side effects? I mean, we're hearing about facial paralysis, etc. Um, you know, how will we then monitor it once it gets here? Yeah, so somebody again, I think it's also, um, this is not the first vaccine that is rolled out. Um, it's globally um, a very big experience with vaccination programs generally. Um, you know, as you can imagine all small children um, get vaccines at different stages of, of ages as they grow up. So we have a history of doing vaccines and tracking vaccines. One of the things is, A, the vaccine that you want to administer firstly must have gone through recognized trials in human beings and must have a very clear safety record. Plus, it must have evidence, scientific evidence, research evidence, that it gives you the desired result, which means it gives you the protection against the thing that you get vaccinated against. So the vaccine that we're going to be using first is a vaccine that was trialed, and when you you hear phase one, phase two, phase three, by the time it gets to phase three, it is then when it is trialed in It's a vaccine that is produced by the Serum Institute, but it's a vaccine that's been tested by Oxford University together with AstraZeneca, the company. Now, this vaccine and the people that produce the vaccine has produced all their safety records. For instance, they vaccinated 11,000 people were part of the vaccine study. So half of them got the vaccine, the other half didn't get the vaccine. And of those, half of the 11,000 that got the vaccine, 30 people uh, developed COVID. Of the other half that did not get the vaccine, 101 people developed COVID. But the bigger difference is of the 30 that got the COVID with having received the vaccine, none of them had to be admitted in hospital. None of them died. So they got a milder form of COVID. Right. Of the 101 that did not get it, 10 people had to be admitted and one person died, which is actually the fact that we see. Yes, you can. When people say that the vaccine is going to put your back live. That is it. But what also goes with this is they had to monitor what is the side effects and all of that. So in the, in the 6,000 people that they gave the vaccine, there was a little bit of um, soreness in the arm where the vaccine was hit, so it's a little bit sore. And people had a bit of flu-like symptoms for four days. It was yeah. not a version of COVID. It's the body responding to it. So that is an example of how people do. Any rare side effects, it's very, very little, and they've documented clearly in their specific vaccine. So we will take this evidence because the South African Products Association, SAPRA, I have to take all this into consideration. And they agree whether it's safe to use in, in human beings, and they are about to give that permission mm-hmm. so that it can be administered. We track, like all the specialists in our system, they are connected with people everywhere in the world, and they track what happens with vaccines. When we start vaccinating healthcare workers in phase one year in our country, which we expect to happen in February, we will be tracking the, the, the effect on every healthcare worker that gets the vaccine as part of a responsible way of tracking side effects sure. um, uh, against the vaccine. Mm, Doc, we have about 30 seconds and really quickly, you know, I would like to ask, with regards to the waterway surveillance system um, that's been used to detect COVID, you know, now that we're easing out of this peak and, you know, perhaps preempting the next wave, you know, how does this work? 
Yeah, so um, that's a very, it's a very, it's an excellent system. It's part of the surveillance system. So basically how it works is all of us use um, water wherever you are. The water goes into a tap and it goes into a drain. And that's the last time we see the water. But what happens with the water goes through a reticulation system. And wherever that water comes eventually through all the pipes, there are certain points which we then call, it's, it's the wastewater let-out system. So it's where that water gets like let out um, um, into either the cycle or into the sea. At that point where the water exits, and in every neighborhood has got that exit point of all the pipes. What they do is there is they measure for the content of COVID in that water. And what that means in your neighborhood, for instance, where all the water from the area gets to one point, and they test test there. Now, if one week there's very little COVID, and all of a sudden the next week, because we take this almost on a weekly basis, there's a little bit more COVID. That's an early sign that there's COVID in that specific neighborhood, right. in that area. Right. And that would be a very uh, powerful way to pick up any new resurgence of classes of cases as we go forward. Let's leave it at that. Talk to Keith Cludier, the head of the Western Cape Department of Health.